welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. My name's Amy McDonald. I'm a yoga teacher, yoga student, and a yoga business coach. And I'm here to support you to share your yoga with the people in your community who really need it. So if you're an amazing yoga teacher, but you sometimes struggle with the business part of what it is that you do, you're in the right place. I hope you thoroughly enjoy everything I've got in store for you. And if you have any suggestions, questions, or ideas for future podcasts, reach out to me on Instagram at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. Hey there, welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast for the week. Three times the charm. My goodness. Uh, yeah, here we go with our introduction. Desan number three. So another interview for you today. I am really excited about introducing you to my guest, uh, Dr. Lauren Tober of Mental Health Aware Yoga. But before I give her the full introduction, I wanted to remind everybody, of course, about my flash sale, which ends today. So if you wanted to collect yourself some yoga business coaching at 25% off, you need to do it today. Uh, That's Melbourne today. So Monday night, the 30th of November, Melbourne time. That might be Sunday night for you. So just make sure. Uh, Head over to amymcdonald.com.au forward slash flash sale. Uh, All the link is in the episode notes. All right. So onwards, what a cracking conversation. I think you're going to absolutely love this one. I spoke with Dr. Lauren Tober a week or so ago, uh, and we spent some time talking about um, COVID and the implications for mental health, how that's showing up for people, how we can be mindful about that, what, what, um, you know, what are the trends that she's seeing happening. But more specifically, she talked about what is the role of mental health in yoga and what is the role of yoga to support mental health and then at a next step what is our job as yoga teachers in the mental health space and what is absolutely not our job so a really good conversation about boundaries about health and support about knowing when and what to do to really uh, help our students to reap the full benefits of yoga without us transgressing any professional or ethical boundaries. I also asked some pokey questions, as I'm sure you could imagine, uh, to Dr. Tober about, you know, gurus, uh, about when to call out bad behaviour, about when is the time, we talked about when is the time to abandon a teacher or a lineage after, uh, you know, bad behaviour, um, accused, proven otherwise. And I also asked her, uh, for me, my, I was interested in her thoughts on what is the what is the ethical implications or considerations when we're thinking about intentionally creating heightened states for our students? This is something that sits with me a lot. You take people away on retreat, you get them into an altered state intentionally. Is that ethical? We know that great transformation can happen, but in this sort of day and age, is that still the right thing to do? Interesting stuff. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Dr. Lauren Toba of Mental Health Aware Yoga. Her training is absolutely available online. So if you're interested from anywhere in the world in checking her out and all that she offers, do take a look at the link in the episode notes. Uh, Here we go. Enjoy. All right. So um, welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast and this very special little series of guest interviews. This is not a common thing for us. So it's delightful to have some real, some real wisdom on this podcast, and not just me talking to myself. <laughs> I thought you were going to say some real people. <laughs> yeah, 
too. That's Thanks too. for having me here. <laughs> um, can you start by talking a little <laughs> bit about why why you're blending these two things together? Like, what is it for you that that is important and interesting about the idea of mental health in the yoga space? Why bring them together? What lights you up about it? Mm, well. You know, from a, from a really personal perspective, I'm a clinical psychologist and a yoga teacher, and I was studying yoga and clinical psychology at the at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew from my very first yoga class, um, I'm trying to work out how many years ago it was now, around 20 years ago, mm-hmm. that I wanted to bring these these two together, that it just felt for me in my bones, it just felt so right. And it took me probably another 10 years before that was a possibility, probably from moving up here to Melbourne in Australia, where this is, you know, kind of a normal part of life up here. Yes, yes. Um, that, that really came together um, in a really strong way. So that's probably been 10, 10 years um, now that I've been doing it really consistently. Before then, I had my clinical practice as a psychologist and my uh, yoga school. Um, and they were, you know, kind of intersecting in my mind, but in the external world, they were quite different. So in terms of my personal journey, this is just what lights me up and feels, you know, feels exciting to me to bring these two worlds together. Um, but also, from, from, you know, from an external perspective I think that yoga has an amazing role to play in mental health and we know statistically that around I think it's around 80% of students report 79.4% of students report coming to yoga for the mental health benefits so we know that people are coming to yoga where I'm sure most of us have felt in our bodies when we practice yoga how it makes the difference in our mental health but my concern is that yoga teachers aren't trained in this area of mental health it's not part of our um, yoga teacher training courses so we're kind of thrown in the deep end in many ways so my mission is to support yoga teachers to really understand mental health so they can really support their students experiencing mental health challenges and so yoga classes in particular but private sessions as well can really become these uh, safe nourishing and transformative spaces that we know that they really can be for yoga students okay so i'm loving this and i mean i I love the 79 point whatever percent statistic for so many things because i know we one of the conversations we're always having here is um you know, reclaiming yoga for real people and getting out of the um, being sort of increasingly entrapped in the body from the fixation on asana. Uh, so I love that actually so most people come to yoga for the mental health and not the physique. That's that's heartening in a whole bunch of ways. But what strikes me, I guess, of course, is if it, like you said, if it is such a, if it is the majority why don't we emphasize that more and at least in the way of raising it as so that everybody understands that and so that we can make a conscious choice to the degree to which we're addressing that with our students or not why is it that teacher trainings are so uh um that they're not that they're under delivering in this space so significantly good question i don't really know the answer i could take a guess though yeah do it my sense, I think this is changing. So I want to start with that, that I think th- things are changing. Um, I think that the reason a lot of people get into yoga is for the physical stuff. That's yeah. kind of what we're sold when we look at Instagram. <laughs> 
Um, so maybe that's part of it. Like that, that is a way in for many people, um, which I think is a good thing because it gets people into yoga and then they discover these other benefits. Um, why in teacher trainings? I wonder also that there's this big, you know, it's a big responsibility to be a yoga teacher and you're, you're supporting people to move their bodies. And I think that it is really important as yoga teachers, we need to understand anatomy and we need to make sure that we don't cause an injury. And so perhaps there's a, there's an emphasis on that from a, like a, I guess we could call it like from an Ahimsa point of view and having understanding around that, but also maybe from a legal point of view to make sure that our, you know, we don't hurt our students. Mm. Um, I don't know. That That's that's what I'm coming up with. Do you have, do you have anything else to add to that? I also wonder about, um, well, I wonder if it's just the, the very nature of physical health and mental health and how we're much more accustomed to talking about one than the other. Similarly, it's easier and more tangible for us to talk about, um, you know, physical alignment, if you like, yes. on a sticky mat, on the cushion. But the stuff that you can't see, the stuff that's less tangible and mental well-being, I mean, it's, maybe it's just, a, it's just symptomatic of how we consider and approach mental health more broadly. That would make sense, Yeah. Definitely. And I also wonder if it's tradition as well. I don't mean tradition in the the long, you know, the historical sense, but in tradition in yoga teacher trainings in the West, I wonder if this is just the way that it's been done and it's the way that it continues to be done. That that is definitely how yoga teacher trainings seem to continue to be constructed. why why uh we still have such a heavy reliance on Patanjali's yoga sutra but anyway that's another conversation um so okay so here's my next question then um in in it's uh, it's sort of a chicken and egg question no not chicken and egg but there's something here about uh understanding uh, understanding mental health and how it intersects with our role as yoga teachers but also is it about it's not expecting a yoga teacher to suddenly be a mental health practitioner so what's the like how what is the role of of yoga teachers in this space what what like what's inside the tent for what we should be talking about as yoga teachers so I think as yoga teachers it's important that we have an understanding of mental health and an understanding of the way that yoga can support mental health but also can detract from it okay okay um and so as yoga teachers, we're yoga teachers, like that's our role to be yoga teachers. Our role is not to be a counselor or a psychologist or a therapist or a psychiatrist, but to be a yoga teacher and to and to show up as a yoga teacher. Now, if you want to become a therapist, you know, you can study for two or three years and become a yoga therapist. You can study for five or six years and become a psychologist, even more that and become a psychiatrist. There's definitely pathways that you can go and study and then bring this integration, which is what I've been doing the past 20 years, this integration of clinical psychology and yoga or whatever it is, you go and bring those together in a really, really beautiful way. But as yo- as a yoga teacher, unless you've done that extra study, your role is to show up as a yoga teacher and also, I believe, to understand, um, understand mental health so you can support mental health in the context of being a yoga teacher. Mm-hmm. And I like that, that we as yoga teachers have a collection of tools that that could be useful for people's mental health, not the other way. Oh my goodness. We're not giving tools. Yeah. We have so many tools in yoga for mental health. It's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. 
tell me about, you mentioned just now that yoga can be detrimental to mental health. Um, tell me more about that. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, I mean, we think about, you just look at Instagram and there's all these pictures of usually skinny white women in really tight, expensive leggings and, right? <laughs> and the focus becomes on, on what it looks like rather than what it feels like. And I think if we go to a class that has those values, and I've been to classes that have those values, we can walk out feeling like we don't belong, like we're too fat, like we're not good enough. Um, and so that can be really detrimental to our mental health, particularly if we already have or have a history of depression mm. or anxiety or an eating disorder, you know, depression or anxiety often has these core beliefs that we hold around not being good enough, not being uh, lovable, not being worthy. And we can, and so often are very sensitive to these being reinforced. And so we can go into a yoga class and have those beliefs reinforced or, um, yeah, I mean, even if we even if we haven't had a history of depression and anxiety, we can still go into a class where that where that's dominant and still come come out feeling not good enough. Mm. I know for me, I can remember the exact workshop I was in when the yoga facilitated that the the dropping of the that of that one of those not good enough negative beliefs was I didn't see it coming; it just spontaneously happened. And, incredibly profound and and I like that the inverse of that also I can remember times when I've been in class and just wanted to you know melt into the floor because I just in that moment was confronted with suddenly being the most all the bad things in the room and just did not want to be there I also wonder though it's not even um you know these things aren't limited to the yoga classroom uh, something that comes up for me in hearing you share is that the um, standards or the expectations that people put on themselves when they take on this mantle of like yoga student or yogini and now I need to do all of these things and if I don't do all of these things then I'm somehow less spiritual, less pure, less whatever. Mm-hmm. Like there's do you agree there can sort of be negative mental health implications from the expectations we put on ourselves or the things we mm-hmm. should do now that we're yoga yes. person? Yes, and as soon as we hear ourselves say that word should, mm. that's a big red flag <laughs> that, that gives us something to really look at and to inquire into. But, you know, I remember I started my yoga teaching career, I guess you say, as a Ashtanga yoga teacher. Ah, and, well, no shoulds in that tradition. <laughs> <laughs> and there's this, like, your series one, series two, like, <laughs> and there's this idea that you need to get, I mean, this is not just in Ashtanga, this is in a lot of practices, and um, this idea that we're, we're trying to get somewhere or we're trying to perfect the pose in a way, but, you know, just being able to put your foot behind your head or, you know, finish um, primary series one it doesn't make you a good person you can still be an asshole and have a beautiful looking yoga practice you can still have you know be completely miserable but be able to do a handstand for 20 minutes you know it doesn't make you a good person and it doesn't make you happy to be able to do that mm. um yeah so there's not this direct relationship between how good your asana practice is and how good um you know, how good your mental health is. Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering, lots of people um, are talking now, the conversation after 
extended lockdown, obviously here more so, uh, in Victoria more so, um, the, the ripples of the mental health ripples for people through 2020, I, I want to bring it back to talk about how that relates to us as yoga teachers, but I'm just curious as someone who works in that space, what are you seeing? What, what sort of what are trends or emerging uh, phenomena that we might not have considered otherwise? What's going on for people in terms of mental health with COVID-19? Lots of things. I think one of the big things that I've been hearing is disconnection. So actually where I live, we've been really lucky. Um, we had a little lockdown, but for the most part, we're, we're still out and about. My family's down in Victoria and has been on lockdown and I have friends around the world um, who have been on much more severe uh, lockdown there. And I know it's been super tough for so many people. Um, so this disconnection, so up here, we're able to move around, but people are disconnected from their families. So for example, I haven't seen my family for a year because they're down in Victoria. Um, and I know that's been tough. People have, their relationships have been separated, um, you know, overseas, people haven't been able to see people who have been dying. So just this, this disconnection from people that they love has been really hard. Parents have had it tough who have been homeschooling and working. That's been tough. That I mean, that was tough for me when I had to do that for a few months. And I know it's been really tough for people that have had to do that for a longer period of time. And that overwhelm that comes from juggling all those roles and not feeling like you're doing a particularly good job, any of them has been tough. Mm. Financial pressures have been really tough as mm. well because a lot of people have either lost their jobs or there's the, um, the you know, a much more kind of heightened possibility of losing their job. So there's yeah. that, un that uncertainty. Yeah. The one that, I, uh, this is my personal pet peeve, the, this is for all of us single people. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, like. Um, How do you date if, in COVID? Well, you can't. Well, you can. Yeah. But it looks like going for a walk with a mask on. So yeah, good it's news. not that romantic. There's no more concern about do I have spinach in my teeth because no one knows. Silver that's linings, quite, hey. That's quite liberating. <laughs> no, um, not being able to touch anybody, like. Not yes. not necessarily intimate to any touch. Mm -hmm. I didn't have anybody in my house for like eight months. Wow. Um, and yeah. I, and that's an interesting. I was talking to a friend the other day, and he said he he'd been to get a haircut, and that was the first person that had touched him since February. Mm. And I, I I'm wondering what that's going to how that's going to um, show up with people who do like body work, yeah. um, or even hands on assists in the yoga room mm -hmm. we're all moving back into it where you can actually touch people again and maybe we can maybe this gets to be a nice pattern interrupt to be able to do that better than what mm. we were doing before mm -hmm. all right so if these are sort of the things that are showing up for for folks um how, what's our role as yoga teachers and how can we be supportive in this space yeah so I, I think that creating connection and community is really important is one part of that. And we can do that face-to-face, -face, but we can also do that online if we need to. Yeah. And I also think giving practices and teaching classes that one, have that element of community, but two, have that element of nourishing because, um, you know, so many people, I mean, some people have been really fortunate and this has been a breather for them. They've gone on to JobKeeper or something. And so, like many people have said to me, well, actually, I've had a really nice holiday. Mm -hmm. But for most of us, it's been a really 
kind of intense um, time where our nervous systems are all worked up, we're feeling overwhelmed and exhausted. And so providing a class, one, where people can come together and two, where people can like nourish themselves and Mm -hmm. find a bit of relaxation, I think is another really beautiful thing that we can do as yoga teachers. What do we do when we have, given that, that the world is at a strange place in terms of pressure and implications of this virus thing. What's the process when, when say, say, a, stu- say a, a teacher has a one-to-one client and it becomes apparent that the, the student, you know, has some mental health issues, needs some support. What's the, what, what do we do? What's the right way to handle it mm. for a yoga teacher? Yeah, because we're a caring group. And we don't like to see other people in discomfort, but at the same time, I guess we need to be mindful of what our role is and isn't. How do we handle that well? Yeah, that's really important. So I think what's really important, and this is something that we teach in the mental health training, is listening skills. Mm -hmm. So being able to listen to our students. Mm. Now, this doesn't mean solve anything, fix their problems, make any recommendations, but to listen and Oftentimes, um, that's enough in itself. That can be really powerful to have someone to listen to. And at the same time, we need to remember that they're coming to us as yoga teachers for yoga, not for counseling. Mm -hmm. So one, we want to be aware of our scope of practice and not take on that role. But two, people can't, you know, I think one of the really beautiful gifts of yoga is that it's an embodied practice. It's about getting out of the story and coming into the body. So giving giving some airtime to listening, I think, is really it can be really important and powerful, but remembering that they're coming to move their body or breathe or whatever it is that they're coming to for and make space for that. Yeah. Having said that, if someone is in crisis and they've got a lot of stuff going on, then really acknowledging that is going to be really important. So maybe you say something like, wow, it sounds like you've got a lot going on in the moment. Or wow, that sounds, actually, this is my favorite little phrase. You're welcome to pitch it. To yeah. pitch it. Wow, that sounds really hard. So really acknowledging that that's going on and then maybe offering, you know, I know this really, I know this really great psychologist. I wonder if you'd like their details. So you're acknowledging it and then, you know, offering, you know, offering some of them to go knowing that, you know, unless you're otherwise qualified, it's not your job Mm. to, to be a counselor, to be a psychologist, but you could, you know, offer a suggestion that they can take or leave. I like that. I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit to, for folks who just um, just find those sorts of situations incredibly uh, uncomfortable. How the maybe it's not the impulse to help or just uh, being with someone else who's who's upset or who's going through something that can be really uncomfortable for some teachers. Any tips for holding space for somebody as they have their own experience? Yeah. So firstly, I mean, it is uncomfortable. So don't expect it to be a walk in, a park, walk in the park. It is uncomfortable <laughs> with somebody who's, who's got some stuff going on. If you notice that you're, you know, really triggered by that and that you're going home and ruminating about it, you're waking up at 3 a.m. and thinking about it, that's a really good indication that you have got some of your own work to do because mm-hmm. it's very difficult to tolerate somebody else's stuff when we've got our own stuff going on and we don't know and we we find it you know we can't tolerate somebody else's stuff if we find it difficult to tolerate our own so that could Mm. be a really good messenger 
um, friend coming to let you know, oh, maybe there's something going on for me and maybe I'd benefit from getting some support mm. with this. What do you think about sort of supervision for yoga teachers? Brilliant idea. <laughs> I, you know, as psychologists, we have to have supervision. Mm. Um, we cannot get our registration renewed if we haven't met our criteria for supervision. And so every, you know, I regularly have training every month. I meet with a group of um, senior psychologists and we talk about our stuff and our client stuff. And I really would like to see yoga teachers doing this as well. Now I know Yoga Australia is really supporting this to happen. They brought this in, I think this year, the role of mentors. Mm. Um, and I think this is really important. This is something that I really stress in the mental health aware yoga training as well, that we have mentor, we have mentors, so support with our teaching. Uh, and in the early years, I would suggest that be senior yoga teachers. And then, you know, once you've been teaching for a decade or two, maybe there it's more peer supervision or mm. peer mentoring. Um, so you can bring any challenges that come up, anything that you're triggered in. So you can bring up any ethical dilemmas that come up because they do come they up. Do. They do. Uh, they do. <laughs> and just to think that, you know, we know right from wrong isn't enough because ethical stuff comes up. And so a safe place that we can bring that and talk about it, any, you know, stuff that's coming up with our students that we want to bring to our mentor in a confidential way. So we don't give our students names. We don't give any identifying information, but we come and we can really get that support. I also think that we need, that as, as yoga teachers, as human beings, we go through stuff, we struggle, we, our relationships break down, our traumas from our past get triggered. We need to have support as well. And, you know, I see a lot of yoga teachers in my clinical practice uh, as a psychologist and, and often they, you know, there's this common thread of, you know, I'm a yoga teacher. I should, I shouldn't have this stuff coming up for me. And, you know, most of us got into yoga because we needed it. <laughs> and, you know, we can hold, like, I think our students sometimes project that onto us, yes, like we're this all knowing thing. Yes. And we can, we can take that on and project it onto ourselves as well. Yes. I yes. want to dispel that myth that as a yoga teacher, you need to have your shit together all the time because you're human. We're all human and we all need support. Uh, uh, yes. Well said. And surely it's not about having it together all the time. It's just about having great boundaries so that when so there's, there's a time to keep it together. <laughs> I know when I've been in yeah. classes where the teacher, I'm thinking, this is, I paid to come to yoga. This is not your therapy. I don't want to oh hear about goodness. your divorce right now. <laughs> yes, yes, boundaries, 100%. <laughs> so tell us about your training for people who are either, you know, curious and, and interested or people who think, oh, maybe, actually maybe I need a bit more work here. Maybe this is an area of my profession that needs a little top-up. Amazing. Thank you for asking. Okay. So it's called the Mental Health Aware Yoga Training and it's designed for yoga teachers or yoga teachers in training to upskill in this area of mental health. Um, so it was face-to-face. -face. It was kind of a hybrid model. We did half online, little lectures online, and then we came together for um, three days to do a lot of experiential stuff. Since COVID, <laughs> things have changed, and we've moved it all on online. So there's pre-recorded stuff, and then we have group mentoring sessions. Um, in the training, we cover the six pillars of mental health aware yoga. So we learn about Western psychology. So we look at like DSM diagnosis of 
you know, different disorders, depression, anxiety, stress, and trauma. We look at yogic psychology, so understanding mental health through the yogic lens. Mm -hmm. Uh, We look at creating a safe container, because I feel like this is one of the most important Mm -hmm. uh, things that we can do um, to make yoga classes mental health aware. So we look at the ins and outs of that, and we look at ethics as well um, that we, you know, we touched on just before. We look at therapeutic skills. So yoga is not therapy, mm. but it can be therapeutic. Mm. Nope. So we look at things like languaging and listening skills and the way that we hold space and the rhythm of a yoga class, these kind of things that we can support um, in the way that we show up the class to be supportive. Mm-hmm. And then we look at yogic practices. So we look at the research that's been done in this area. And I sort of drawing on the research, drawing on my own professional and personal experience, look at what practices in terms of asana, pranayama, and meditation can be supportive. Mm-hmm. And also the contraindications are things like practices that are not a good idea. Like, for so example, maybe Kapalabhati, if you're experiencing anxiety, is not a good idea. These, these, yeah. these kind of things um, from a mental health perspective. And then finally, we look at uh, mental health crisis. So, yeah. you know, as, as yoga teachers, people tell us stuff. Yeah. And, you know, if someone comes to you and says, well, I've been thinking of killing myself yeah. or somebody has a panic attack in your yoga class, we look at how you can support your student through that. Um, and if necessary, to find them, you know, to suggest or recommend more support that they can get. I love so that. you're not taking it all on yourself. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So where do we fight? Amazing. I want to sign up. I say this to, I want to sign up for everybody's, tri- no, not everybody's, but this one and some others. So much good stuff. <laughs> right. Um, so, and you know what I think is great too, is I think um, what I see is, well, first, first of all, I say this all the time, everybody who listens to this podcast and is in my community is obsessed with ongoing training. We're all obsessed. We buy all the books. We take all the courses. We're obsessed, but I do feel like there is a tendency to in the training that, that's that we do we there seems to be a tendency to get a new get a new skill set rather than improving a skill set or or refining Mm. something so I'll do a prenatal and a postnatal and a yoga nidra and like all the all of the extra yogary bits but maybe (laughs) the extra yogary bits yeah but maybe like less of an emphasis on how can I hone my craft how can Mm. I go deeper how can I be a safer provider how can I learn more about what's actually going on with what I'm already doing which Mm -hmm. it sounds as though that's what your training is about it's about not just another thing that you can do but actually bringing depth and integrity rigor to what you're already doing and and safety as well I think like knowing these things means that you're not I mean I remember being on a retreat the retreat center where I take my people it's fairly remote there's maybe three people who speak English in the village other than me and my students. And I had a, a retreat participant. She cried for four, four of the seven days without a break. And wow. that's like, what do you, I don't, I'm not, I don't know. Like I'm getting on the phone, ready to call someone in to support her. Cause I can't, yeah. we we're putting ourselves into positions where people bring their stuff. They are more, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they're more likely to have, an awareness or an insight or a release of something mm-hmm. but do we know what to do with it when it happens I feel like yeah. there is a safety element here in terms of making sure that we're equipped with the it's almost like mental health first aid 
as, yeah. as yoga teachers. It sounds so necessary. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, this is what I'm hearing for a few, from yoga teachers as well who take retreats because I think retreats, people step out of their usual kind of safety and support networks, um, which is brilliant in so many ways, but it also means it can be, you know, it can shake their foundations a mm. little bit. So, yeah, for so sure. So where do we go to find out more? Excellent question. You go to www.mentalhealthawareyoga.com. Yeah, but I love, like, I love that what you took from this, that from you know this this small conversation that we had, that it isn't about learning something new or a new way of teach, a new kind of yoga style. Mm-hmm. You're right; it's not that. It's bringing what you already know and having having that depth, like you said, to it, deepening your understanding so you can support students with mental health. So it's not a new style. Mm. It's not a new brand of yoga. Whatever style of yoga you're teaching, even if you're teaching Ashtanga yoga or restorative yoga or prenatal yoga or Iyengar, whatever you're teaching, you can bring or flow, you know, whatever it is, whatever you're teaching, you can bring this knowledge and apply it to your teaching style right now. And yes, there's going to be some tweaks for sure. And a big part of the training is practical components. So we set these um, practicum, self-directed practicum tasks, we call them when you take elements and you go and try them out in your teaching and then you reflect on them. Um, so yes, it's not about a new style of yoga. It's about bringing what you're already doing and bringing that understanding of mental health to it. Fantastic. I'm wondering if I can ask you, something slightly different regarding mental health and the role of the yoga teacher. Um, So uh, something that is really, um, it surfaced for me a little while ago and it's absolutely still there. And in fact, now even with what's going on with what's coming out of the um, 3HO stuff, the Yogi Bhajan stuff, like it seems every year there's yet another, uh, you know, exposed um, abuse of power in yoga. Just another charismatic male abusing. <laughs> but I, something that I'm very aware of is, um, and I think about the classes that I teach these days. It's more uh, special events rather than weekly classes. And what I seek to do is create a heightened experience for people. Like that's what the music, the poses, how I talk, the volume that I, of my voice. I'm going into that space intentionally seeking to create a heightened experience. Not like, hey, it's Shaktipad, but, you know, something memorable. Mm-hmm. And something that I sit a lot with the ethics of that. Like, uh, uh, and, and what is emotional sort of manipulation? Like, it, it's really sitting with me that I, I have a friend, he's a counsellor, and we joke with each other that we would both make great cult leaders. Like it wouldn't take much of a flip of a switch and I could go be a charismatic cult leader. Like there's a fine line between how do you be a, an inspiring uh, wellness advocate mm-hmm. and it doesn't, there's a, there is a fine line between and then how am I actually exploiting people, maybe I don't know it, with mm-hmm. creating these, um, you know, leaning too heavily on the power differential and then creating these experiences for people where they feel like they need me as the conduit to something greater or beyond or more truthful or whatever. How do we, where do we go as yoga teachers to do this check-in about even to be aware of the 
what might be going on that we might not realise is perhaps an ethical dilemma and then to process the dilemma itself. I love that you asked this. I'm sitting here grinning and I love that you're having this like self-reflection around this. Intense, don't you think about, and we do it all the time, like just even what we post on our Instagram, I want to inspire people, but am I creating a legacy of fake, uh, you know, sugary pop life? I don't know. So firstly, I, like keep asking these questions, like keep checking in, in with yourself, keep talking to your mentors and colleagues around this. Like it's when you stop asking these questions that it becomes a problem. Like when you start to believe you're a bullshit, that's when it becomes a problem. Um, I think there's an element of when we teach of um, like taking on the role of a teacher and holding that energetically and the confidence that we have in what we say, I think it can land better with people than if we're really tentative and we're kind of sitting there, you know, hunched over and not really sure of what we're doing. So there's definitely something about the, the way that you hold yourself when you share information or, you know, the music that you play or what you're teaching, whatever, the, the kind of the energy that you hold yourself with, I think, can make a big difference. Um, and we want to make sure that we're using this, this, this power that we have for good rather than evil. So keep mm-hmm. checking in with yourself and making sure that you're taking this responsibility of the, of the energy that you're holding and the information mm-hmm. that you're sharing, that you see that as, as a, like a sacred uh, important responsibility and you're using it in a way, um, you know, for the benefit of, of people rather than, um, you know, for your own financial gain or whatever it, whatever it is. Or, or emotional kind of or ego gain, isn't it? Yes. Look what I can do. Look how many people are doing what I tell them to. Or mm-hmm. I feel better about myself now because I fed on all of the energy from those mm-hmm. people. And it can be seductive. Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It can, it. right? <laughs> keep asking, like keep asking yourself these questions, keep talking about it with other people because when you stop, that is when it becomes an issue. And I also think um, what we need to do is keep putting it back on the student in terms of mm. try this out for yourself and see how it feels for you. This is what this is what's worked for me, or this is what I believe, or this is a teaching or a poem or whatever that that I've appreciated. See how it lands for you. Mm. So instead of keeping on placing yourself as the guru and that the holder of all the knowledge, mm. can you um, you know offer your students? some knowledge or wisdom or an experience and invite them to try it out and throw away anything that doesn't work for them and to keep anything that that does so you're keeping on you know there's this idea right of the guru um like the role I don't even know where this comes from but the 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 role of the guru is to light the light of the inner guru within each student Mm. so Mm. not to be the guru but to light that inner guru within within them so if we can keep offering that um, I think that's going to, you know, keep that balance in, in check. You know, one of, one of my teachers who I really admire is Richard Miller from mm-hmm. iRest. And he does this beautifully. Like he has a really big, I mean, iRest has a really big following, but he doesn't promote himself as the knower of all things, mm-hmm. even though he knows a lot of things. Um, he presents this information. He acknowledges all his sources um, and all and lots of other teachers. And then he invites people to try it out and, and try it for themselves and make it what they will. And mm. that's really affirming. Mm. Yeah. And and I guess, again, I'm, you know, my heart really goes out to, I know when 
the Anusara thing happened in 2012, I found myself suddenly in a place of like the carpet had been pulled out from under me uh-huh. where I thought I was going in my life, my identity, my clicks, what, mm-hmm. you know, what do I believe now? And, I, and I, I'm thinking about people who are, whether they're Kundalini folks or whatever. I, I had a friend last year going through the practice and all this coming thing. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as we need to invite our students to be curious and to uh, try things for themselves, I suspect we need to do that with what we're getting from our teachers rather than just yeah. everything just flows through us. If we got it, it must be true, so we give it. But I suspect there are lineages, yoga lineages, where it's not as easy to be curious and selective in what you pass on. It's interesting, hey? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I used to teach Ashtanga yoga. I haven't taught it for 12, 13 years, but I still practice it sometimes mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I love the practice. And mm-hmm. maybe just because I did it so often, it's in my body and it feels yeah. feels beautiful in my body. Um However, if I see an Ashtanga teacher posting a picture of Patapi Joyce that says 99% practice, 1% theory, I will write to them and say, did you know that he has been, um, what's the word I'm looking for, that he's been um, accused of abuse and it's not appropriate to be putting um, abuse like um, honoring abusers on social media. Can you imagine how that would feel if you'd been one of those um, students who had been in his class and had been um, sexually mm. or otherwise abused? Now, that doesn't make me very popular, I have to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're that person. <laughs> I'm that person and that's hard to be that person. Like it's hard to speak up. You know, it's hard to speak up. Uh, yeah. But yeah. I think it's really important that we do. And so it's not Okay, so Patabi Joyce, this this happened, and if you go and if you Google Karen Rain and read some of her mm-hmm. uh, experiences, you can read about that. I mean, this is not Australian. This has been in, this has happened in yeah. many different yeah. in yoga styles. It's just the example that I'm most familiar with because that's the lineage that I studied in for a while. Mm. Um, where was I going with this? Oh yeah, so I haven't said this. This Patabi Joyce did this, therefore I'm never practicing this again. I've sat with this in myself and how can I separate the teachings from the teacher? What feels right for me? And I've been talking about this um, with some friends, with my husband, who was also an Australian teacher Mm. and, you know, coming to that place within me. And so for me, it's like, I feel okay practicing this, but I'm not going to teach it. And Mm. I'm definitely not going to be quoting him anywhere or putting his photo anywhere. Um, And so I think, so I share that because that's been my internal processing around that and I encourage everyone to do the same. If in your lineage has had this abuse, um, what, you know, depending on what happened and how it sits with you, how, how are you going to pull that apart? I run this um, Centre for Mind-Body Wellness in Malambimbi and we had a few years ago, we had a Satyananda mm-hmm. yoga teacher um, come and wanting to teach classes. And then we had this conversation, do we call it Satyananda Yoga mm-hmm. given um, yeah. the abuses that happened yeah. in that lineage or do we call it, do we just call it something else? Um, and I think in the end he decided to call it something else. But but there was this discussion about it and I think that's what's really important that we go into this with our eyes open. And if I may, I think too, having been with my friend as she went through her process and how it was for me, Mm-hmm. Um, that if for anybody who's listening who is in whatever lineage you're in or if there's anything like like this is real if if you're feeling maybe it is maybe you might need some support um, mm-hmm. if you're finding yourself 
in this sort of situation. It's not just something that you have to take in your stride because, well, that's what happens with every, you know, in every lineage there's a whatever scandal. People are abused. It's, it's, oh, when you say that, it just populist. breaks my heart. I know. I know. Like, but it's sort of at the point now, oh, yeah, here's another one. No, 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 it's, it's, it's still horrible and if, if it's happening to somebody then it's, if you're a part of that or even if just the ripples on the pond are affecting you then you, it's mm-hmm. legit you get to get support for yourself. Definitely, yeah. 100%. And, and I think, I mean, I touched on this, but maybe if I can come back to it, the, the importance of speaking up, it's incredibly hard to speak up. Um, and, and also the importance of supporting people who do speak up because it is so hard. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's really, it's, a, it's such an interesting thing, isn't it? And I wonder about, I wonder if you could, um, because I know if, where things are at with social media, it's also, um, there's a way to do that speaking up, you know, mm-hmm. that, that we can still be caring of each other. Would you have any tips for people who, who want to call something out but want to do it in a way that's the, the best way that they could do it? I don't think there is one best way. It's okay. it's what feels right for you. So if somebody comes to you and says, for example, someone comes to you and, and tells you of some bu- abuse that's been happening, um, my suggestion is one that you listen to them. Mm-hmm. You know, and we talked about that before. Um, there may not need to be anything else that needs mm. to happen, but for them to be heard and for them to be believed is really powerful and then it's up to that person to decide what to do next it's not up to you um you know unless there you know there's some really serious abuse that you and you don't want other people to to be hurt in that then maybe there's a a question there for you if you want to do something about it but firstly is to listen to the person that comes to you and secondly to support them to find the right thing for them so there's many different ways to do that one might be to go and talk to the teacher although that can be incredibly confronting um, mm-hmm. if they're an abuser often there might be a regulating body so if it's a particular lineage maybe there's someone in that lineage higher up that you can mm-hmm. go to mm-hmm. maybe it's you go to the um your yoga body so whether that's yoga australia or yoga alliance they actually they don't really have any power but that is somewhere you can go in psychology you get you get investigated and you get your registration taken off you this doesn't seem to happen in yoga, but still that's somewhere where you can go. You can go to the police as well and talk to the police about what, what's happened. You could write an article about it and publish it in, in a yoga, you know, they could come on your podcast and talk about it or, mm. um, you know, publish it in a, in a yoga blog. Um, there's many different ways to do it. There is no right or way, wrong way of doing it other than, you know, exploring it in that moment and, and what would feel the most helpful for the person who has been abused and also the way that would be most effective in reaching whatever intention it is that you have, whether it's stopping the abuse or calling out the teacher or, you know, changing the lineage, I don't know, it would depend. That was a long answer, huh? It, it was a good one, though. It was a re- and and the 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 through line. I know you said there's not one way to do it, but the thing I, that I heard that you didn't say that I heard that you didn't say mm-hmm. was that um, it's not to tell the other person what to do, <laughs> even yes. though we might have great intentions. It's to listen and to ha- maybe help them figure out what to do for themselves, but not to tell them what we think they should do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. 
Yeah, because otherwise you might just be, you know, traumatizing them again. They've already been traumatized. And then here you are re-traumatizing them by asking them to do something that they don't have the capacity to do. And we certainly, as yoga teachers, aren't, we, we, that's way out of our scope of practice when it comes to yes. providing that type of specific support, despite, Definitely. of course, wanting to care for people. Yeah. So many things to talk about. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Thanks for being such a great guest. Where can we like stalk you on social media and things? Um, so you can stalk me personally. That sounds terrible. <laughs> We're talking about mental health. <laughs> Sorry. You can find me how's that? on social media. My personal one is Dr. Lauren Tober, T-O-B-E-R. And then mental health aware yoga we have as well, which is just mental health aware yoga. So um, on Instagram, on Facebook, you can find me, Dr. Lauren Tober, and we don't have a page for mental health and yoga because there's got to be a limit to number yeah. of social yeah. media things you can have. But we do have a group, so if you search for, um, or maybe I can give you the link and people can yeah. come join join our group. Cool. Thanks so much for talking to us about all things yoga and mental health, helping us understand what's in, what's out, uh, and I suspect, um, and I hope, maybe. Uh, seeding some future conversations for for listeners about, huh, I never actually thought about that. Maybe um, maybe there's something there for me to, to pick out a bit more, to learn a bit more about. I, I suspect this is one of those episodes that uh, is just a starting point for a lot of the people mm. listening. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me and for your insightful questions. I appreciate it. So there you have it, folks, another edition of the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. Hey, favour to ask, if you found the content useful, I would be very grateful if you could support this podcast by giving me a five-star rating. And if you've got a moment, a review would be super cool. No pressure, of course. Like I said earlier, if you have any suggestions for podcast topics in the future, I would love to be in service. DM me on Instagram at amyyogabizcoach. Take deep care.